You know, uh, this past week we had uh, Harvest University. Uh, that's an opportunity once a year where we take a bunch of our staff and spouses and elders and key leaders and uh, all the other churches, all the other harvests get together. We go up north, plus there's a ton of people beyond the harvest. It's a really neat opportunity. There were over a thousand people this year. First Harvest University seven years ago, they had like 36 people or something. They had over a thousand people this year. Just uh, a ton of leaders getting together to celebrate, to praise God for who he is, but also to take some time to learn how to do some things better to take some challenges on what we could bring back, some things we could shape and form, some additions we could put into ministries, that kind of thing. Just how can we make this a place that's on fire for Jesus Christ? That's what the week was about. It was an awesome week. So that being said, my wife and I were up north. My parents came down here to uh, watch the kids. So they got the chance to watch the kids. We have our dog, Teddy, as you know, and then we're also daycaring a dog, uh, Finley. So they got to watch two dogs. But they have two dogs too. So they also brought in their dog, Annie, and their other dog, Zippy, the one-eyed wonder. I don't even know why it has one eye, but it has one eye. It's nasty looking. So we have Zippy, the one-eyed wonder, Annie, Teddy, and Finley, and we're up north at Harvest U, and pretty happy we're there. You know what I'm saying? You know what? We have a ton of people that keep saying, what does Teddy look like? Or I can't even imagine it. So Jonna finally got me to put a picture up. So here's So Teddy's the black and white cocker, and Finley's the one on the left going, really, I have to stay here? So Finley's like a four-month-old pup. She just has a blast running and jumping and poking and playing. And uh, basically, I asked the kids when I got home, I said to my daughter, Alyssa, so how'd it go with the dogs? And she said, it was hilarious. I said, why is that? She said, Finley, you know, tons of energy, running all over the place. So she decided the way she would get the dogs to play with her, is she would come up and she would poke her nose into them, just kind of walk up and bang them and then step back and see how it goes, you know, and Zippy, the one-eyed wonder, like he wasn't having much of that. So she walked up and she poked him and he kind of looks up at her and then she pokes him one more time and he does this leap and jumps on top of her and knocks her down and then he just kind of steps up and goes and lays down and she drops to all fours. We actually got a picture of her dropping to all fours. This is the second picture. That's her like... See these big brown eyes? Yeah. And all the women go, oh, and that's why John wanted the picture up. And the guys are like, whatever, it's a dog, you know? (laughs) But the eyes, you know, looking up going, I'm so sorry. You're so in charge and I'm so not. You know what I mean? One of those things. So the little four-month-old pup finally gets her position in life, right? That's a lot like us. You know, we actually run through life doing our thing. And every once in a while, we finally realize we're so not in charge. You know what I mean? We're walking through a series called Fresh Faith in a hostile world. Fresh Faith. Well, what's it look like to have a fresh faith that celebrates humbleness? Humbleness. Yes, it's actually a real word. It's dictionary approved. It's not just humility. Humility is a word too. Humbleness. It's in the dictionary. I thought, I'll throw that in instead of humility. So it sounds a little fresh and different. Humbleness. What does it look like for us to understand we're not in charge? What's that look like? That's what we're going to be looking at today as we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. And the ushers are coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So we're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. Again, we're just answering the question, what does it look like to take this submissive posture spiritually? To have humbleness in our fresh faith. First, submit to your authorities... 
God put them there. Submit to your authorities. God put them there. Let's just start out in verse 13, okay? It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Okay, this phrase, be subject, be in submission. What does that word really mean? Okay, here's a couple things it doesn't mean. This is what it does not mean to be subject. It doesn't mean, oh, I totally agree with you. What a wonderful decision. I'm in complete alliance with your thought there. That's not what it means. What it doesn't mean is, I just really like that person. You know what I'm saying? When it says be subject, it doesn't mean if you don't like them, you don't have to listen to them. That's not what it means. Be subject. Another thing it maybe doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, hey, I'd love to hang out with you. Why don't you come on over to the house and we'll just get the kids together and... That's not being subject to, okay? Quite often we align it with, I like them. I'm willing to be under them because I think really highly of them. That's not what be subject means. What it means simply is this, let them lead. That's be subject. It means to remain under, literally. It means to allow their leadership to remain over you and you listen to them. To remain under, to be subject. Basically, no anarchy. That's all God's asking for. Allow the leaders that he's put in place to lead. So be subject. Okay. Why? For the Lord's sake. That's what it comes right after it, right? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. God placed every human institution. We serve a sovereign God. He's in charge. His decision of who goes where, when, and how. So as we are in submission to his leadership... We're in submission to him. He's saying, be subject to the ones I put in place. Please, let me lead. You might not like them. You might not want to hang out with them. But trust me, I am sovereignly in control. Be subject for the Lord's sake. To whom? It says, be subject to the Lord, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. To every human institution. Okay, so the word every, uh, in the original language, it means, well, it means every. It means all. Say the word every with me. Every. Yeah, that's how many. So, which ones? Everyone, right? That's where we're supposed to go with this. Every single institution that God's put in place, we need to be listening to. And God's placed all institutions where he wants him. He is sovereignly in control. They're saying, listen to every human institution. Okay. Like what? Peter says, I'm wondering if you need some examples. Let me give you a few. So here he goes. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. So whether it be to emperors as supreme, the emperor, this is the one guy the head honcho, the big dog, the one that's in charge, okay, in a nation. So who would be the one in charge of our nation? The president. And his name is President Obama. So he's listed in scripture. He's the one that we need to be listening to as the one, okay? There is a level of subjection and submission that needs to happen to our governmental structure. The emperor. We're not going to call him Emperor Obama. 
because of our structure and government, right? So we have a president. We call him President Obama. And that is somebody that we need to show some respect to, some position to. Now he goes a little further and he says, or it's a governor's sent by him. And the hymn there is the Lord. It says for the Lord's sake. And that hymn is following back to the Lord. It's the ones that the Lord has put in position. We have governors in place. We have leaders and authority figures from the smallest of structures to the largest of structures that God has put in place. Whether we're looking at an association in our subdivision or we're looking at our town or we're looking at our county or our state or our country, there are leaders placed in position and we need to rightly say, God, you've sent them. I will be in subjection. Again, that doesn't mean I agree with and I love you and I'd love to hang out with you. That means I'm going to allow you to lead and I'm going to follow in that regard. Okay. All right. Question. What's the role of the government? Well, we get a little bit of information here and I have to tell you, this sort of rocked my world this week. This is a very succinct statement of what the government needs to be about. Check this out. It says we've got these emperor and governors sent by him. Why? To punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The two P's of government to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. That's what we need to make sure our government is about. Let that settle in for a little bit. Make sure that whatever you're thinking about government, you are allowing that God's idea of government comes first and foremost, which is there better be these two P's, the punishment and the praise. Okay. Punishment and praise. So you know what? All I did, I'm just going to flip over to it. You guys don't have to flip with me, but I've got Romans chapter 13. Here's another passage that talks about government just to kind of put a little bit of bite to it, a little bit of extra info. Romans 13 verses three and four. He's talking about, well, I'll start at verse two. Therefore... Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Again, God putting leaders in charge. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good. You will receive his approval. Verse 4 now. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Punishment. So we have the praise. If you do good, things will go well for you. And we have the punishment. If you don't, know this. The government is actually meant to be the extended arm of God's wrath for those who don't follow. Okay? Just a little bit of a moment. For me, that was quite interesting. And I have to say, with all that's going on with government right now and all the disagreements and all the comedians attacking the comedians and the newscasters attacking the comedians and all the ridiculous stuff taking place, we have this huge disrespecting going on both directions, this massive ridiculousness of not subjecting. And instead, we try to use the statement in our world here of freedom of speech, and it becomes... Freedom to attack, freedom to accuse, freedom to slander. Do me a favor. Let's make sure that we're a body, that while we understand our government, and while we understand our freedom of speech, let's make sure that first and foremost, we understand what God's asking us to do, which is be subject to those in authority and make sure your tongue is not going to the realm of slander and attack and bashing, okay? We are allowed to have our opinions, 
And be subject doesn't mean I agree. Let's have them over for pizza. But it does mean I will allow you to lead. And it does mean we will be careful with our tongue. Okay? Very important. And just a little side note. Make sure your government view has at least two P's in it and they're the top two. Punishment and praise. Okay? All right. Just a little statement. That's the government's role. Now it says our role. Right after he gets done saying their role is punishment and praise, verse 15. For this is the will of God. Here we go. This is our job. And by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Did you know that? You have the chance to take people who are, it says ignorant, that means basically uninformed. You know, the ones who think they know what they're talking about, but they're clueless. The ones who are like, I completely understand the way it's supposed to be, and this is the way it is, and they're not even taking into consideration a God. They're not even taking into consideration what God might be doing. And so they're asserting things, and they don't know what they're talking about. You have a chance, it says here, to silence them. That word silence means to muzzle, to close the mouth of. And here's not how you do it. You don't do it by raising up, yelling, screaming, and attacking. You do it instead, it says here, by doing good. Did you know that? You can actually muzzle, in the long run, the foolishness, the unwise of those that are uninformed by continuing to remain under, respectfully and honoring, even when you disagree. Doesn't mean you don't have the right for freedom of speech. Hear hear me on that, okay? We're not pulling out what this government's about, and we have a great, awesome privilege here in the United States to be able to speak what our concerns are, but make sure you do them respectfully and without accusation and without slander, okay? It's our chance to remain under respectfully, and by that, doing good. A chance to show that we can, in the midst of a very hurtful environment, respect very well. That's what it's about, okay? That you can do good. And this is God's will. It says right after it, live as people who are free. Live as people who are free. You, you mean I'm, I'm free? Yeah, right? We talk about a freedom in Jesus Christ. He goes a little bit further here. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Romans 6, 1. Please, don't use your freedom to say, I'm going to sin, and then I can say, Jesus, please forgive me, and now he got to forgive me of more things, so his grace is abounding, right? That's Romans 6.1. Don't sin that grace may abound. God forbid. Our freedom is not meant for us to be able to go do whatever we want, forever what we want, because it's all about me. Our freedom is actually now, you've been given life. Stand up, breathe deep, serve well. Freedom to say, thank you, Lord, with all you've got. It's kind of an ironic statement. He leads with freedom. He ends with servant of God. There is no better freedom than recognizing your proper place in the world. Remember the picture of Finley? Big brown eyes, laying on her stomach, flat out. Like we need to be understanding where we're at, who God is, and how we can serve him. That's our call. Freedom Freedom to enjoy who you are and what God's gifted you with and the life that he's empowered to you, but knowing that it's going to lead to an on your knees before the Almighty serving him. It's going to show. People are going to recognize your difference in attitude 
as you look at this place, as you look at those that are in charge around you. Remember last week, we were talking a little bit about going through the word. And he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste the Lord. Well, this is your chance. Last week was about you tasting. Now it's your chance to say, let me give you a little taste of the Lord. You get to reflect him to those around you and say, he so rocked my world. Let it change me and let it show to you a little bit of taste that they can see in you of how God's changing you. Trust him. The sovereign hand of the almighty at work. Pray for your leaders. It's not that we don't have to, we don't have to agree with everything, but make sure that in the midst of some disagreements, you allow them to lead. Great respect, allow them to lead. That's subjection, remaining under. And we get a chance to reflect our Savior in so doing. Question, why wouldn't we submit? I just wrote down three reasons why we might not submit, okay? Uh, number one, we might not submit because uh, pride. Simple word, simply this, uh, I'm better than that. You know what I mean? It's the, oh, no, you didn't, right? You know what I'm talking about? How dare you, right? Pride. I think I know what I am, and I think I know what I have, and I think I'm worth more than that, or I think I should be treated differently than that or better than that. I won't remain under. Pride. Second one, critical spirit. We might actually look over and say, that's the leader? you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm not even sure that... And all of a sudden we start judging and criticizing character, upbringing, their walk, critical spirit. The less we think well of somebody, the more we put ourselves in a place where we tend to not want to listen to them. And what we need to keep remembering is, Scripture tells us, your leadership in whatever area of you're talking about God is working with the sovereign hand of God. Don't let your critical spirit start criticizing what God's doing and who he's put in place. Make sure you keep looking to your sovereign God in the end. That's where you need to be looking. Okay. So pride, critical spirit. Third one might just be spiritually cold. We might just be at a spot where we're like, God, I actually am really not interested in bowing underneath you. I'm not interested in being called a servant of the Lord. I'm not interested in hearing what you have to say. I'm not interested in what you're doing because you're not about me. And I'm pretty much about me right now. Thank you. I'm looking for me to be getting a little bit more stroke, a little bit more attention, a little bit more lift up. That's what I'm thinking about. And all of a sudden we go spiritually cold. We're not looking for the glory to go to our God. We're looking for the glory to come to me. It's going to take us into a spot where we don't submit well. Okay. Those are just three things. There's a ton of nuances to it, but at least three things that might keep us from not. So if you're finding yourself going, yeah, I'm pretty much not doing this. Run down that list. Really do a gut check. What's going on? Why am I not doing it? Okay. He ends this section here, verse 17, with really what almost sounds like a cheer. As I'm going through it, I'm like, boy, it's kind of like a cheerleading statement. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You know what I mean? He's kind of closing it with, let me give a little bit of a summary. All right, this is going to be lame, but here we go. Ready? It's like, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. 
You know what I mean? He's like trying to come on. It's like this cheer. Let's get it going. There's some honoring that needs to happen. You know what I'm saying? So you can go home today and try to remember the moves. It's really, it's really heavy duty. You know what I mean? But it is, it's about, I got to get some things together in my life. I got to be doing some honoring. I got to be doing some loving and respecting. Notice it says honor everyone. Honor everyone. Wow, that's a lot of people. So every single person I walk past, yeah. So even the littler people, it's not just honor up the food chain. It's honor down the food chain. It's everyone. Honor everyone. Just a little moment to all the young adult women in the church. If you're not married, here's a little message. Front row. Here's a little message. This is a, like I'm telling you, honor everyone. This is a big moment. When you're looking for a guy, something to look for. They better honor everyone. And how can you tell? When you're out to dinner and you're at a nice restaurant and the waitress blows the order and brings the wrong food or forgets somebody's meal or spills something or whatever, how did they react? Are they handling it and taking it in stride and treating them very well? Or did it become a, how dare you? Oh, no, you didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like the more our servant thing starts to become a, you're serving me, the more we got a problem. So just a little heads up. Watch for the people that are honoring the people around them. When they pull up to a drive through window, how do they do? When they're talking to somebody who's a cleaning crew, how do they do? Because the reality is we can often look at it and say, you're doing that for me. And all of a sudden we let ourselves build up. Just check the heart a little bit. Honor everyone. It's a great little challenge moment. It's interesting how often God brings those opportunities to us as believers to show how much God is affecting us. You know, I was at, um, I was in Tell Labs. It was a telecommunications firm for 17 years as a design engineer. And for five years straight, I... I swear it was almost every single time we went out for lunch together, the waitress would forget my meal. I'm not kidding. It got to a point where it was a joke. Like I would order, I'm like, well, I'll take a burger um, with fries, please, and a Coke. And they're like, why do you order? It doesn't come. <laughs> like that was the running joke. And it would literally not come. Even when it said, and the waitress is like, what are you talking about? And she'd hear it and laugh. Oh, and then she'd forget. <laughs> and they would, and it, honestly, every single time, it was just one of those things to be able to have a chance to show the waitress that she's important. To just be kind, to laugh with it, to roll with it. I'm only getting my food five to ten minutes later than everybody else. Just go ahead and enjoy. Calm down. Honor everyone. It's big moments. It's a chance for us as we respect those around us to simply say, we serve a living God who makes an impact in my life. I know somebody who's changing my world. And where the average person would blow up, at least after the 50th or 60th time, hold it together. That's what it's about, is be able to show respect. As we are called here to submit ourselves to every authority, it's to be able to say, I serve the living God who is sovereignly in control and I am trusting him and remaining under. Praise be to God. Amen? That's what it's about. A chance for you to be able to silence the foolishness of those around you by your good deeds. Submitting yourself to them. Question. Who are the authority figures in your life 
that you're having a little trouble with. Think about it for a sec. Who are the authority figures in your life that you're struggling with a little bit? We need to make sure that we're praying for them. And then we're saying, Lord, help me understand how in the world your sovereign hand put them there and what you're doing. I want to be able to submit. Is it somebody at work? Somebody in the school systems? Somebody in the government? Somebody at church? <laughs> Lord, what are you doing? Help me lean on you and remain under. Okay? That's our opportunity and privilege to do good, to reflect a little bit of the taste of him to this world and to show how awesome he is. All right. So that's the first step. It's submit because God's put them there. Second, even if they're unfair, even if they're unfair, let's just pick up in verse 18. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Okay, we've switched off a of government now. Now we're starting to talk about kind of this household environment. Servants and masters. Some of your, your uh, translations say slaves. All right? This was a moment where slaves were being addressed. Now, let me just tell you a few things, okay? First of all, the slave that, we're being, that are being talked about here, uh, Murray Harris, uh, is where I'm getting this information. Just some slaves at that time. Based of all, it was not based on race, first of all. Slavery was not based on race. It was uh, a moment where they were getting paid. They were servants, but they were getting paid. It was temporal. They would eventually get released. What, what was it based on? It was based on the fact that there was some financial debt owed. It was based on the fact that somehow we needed to either arrange a child or myself or somebody to serve for a period of time because of what we owe. And so it was less about race and abuse, and it was more about financial management, okay? It's sort of very similar to our employee-employer relationship today. Really, that's a great analogy as you move forward, okay? So this employee-employer relationship is a lot of what we're talking about, all right? That being said, though, notice what it says right after it. Be subject for the Lord's sake. And then in verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. My boss is mistreating me so poorly, so now I can blow him off. He is completely in the wrong. It's unfair. How dare he? So now I can say, I will not listen. I will not show respect. I will not. Is that what it says? It actually says, be ready to submit and show respect even when unjust. Even when unjust. Go into a little bit of detail here. He says uh, right after it, for this is a gracious thing. Again, it's your chance to give a little bit of flavor of who God is. His grace. I am basically giving to you even in the midst of your mistake. It's one of those where we say, we have a chance to show our boss that Jesus Christ is impacting our life. We serve in, a, in an environment where if you work, you probably have a boss. The only time you don't is maybe when you own a company and you don't have a board of directors or something. So how many of you have bosses? How many of you enjoy your boss? Oh, no, put your hand up. Don't do that. All right. It's one of those things where you kind of have to go, Lord, I need to show respect to my boss. Help me. To show, even when unjust, may I reflect who you are and show how awesome you are in my life. Are you ready for that? 
Think about it. How many times do we come home at the end of a long day and we're like, you would not believe how my sovereign God has placed a leader over me. (laughs) Right? That's where we need to be going with this, right? Lord, help me lean and trust in you and what you're doing. It does make us cry sometimes. (laughs) The timeliness of these are amazing, isn't it? Verse 19, for this is a gracious thing when, okay, here's our approach. Are you ready? Here's our approach. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. It's just classic. You kind of love it. When mindful of God, we endure. This is not what it means. I am so afraid that if I say something or lean into them, I'm going to get punished. I'm afraid of them. It's not a fear of man thing, okay? It's not about that. It's being mindful of who you are, Lord, and you in charge of what's going on in this universe and in my world. I am, because of you, going to respect what's going on here and show this authority all the submission appropriate. Lord, may you be honored in the midst. Do you hear the difference? Mindful of God. That's an everything phrase. Please do it being mindful of the Lord sovereignly in control. That's why this whole thing comes together. Because our God has his hand on this universe. And even on your boss in your workplace who may not be a believer and doesn't understand who Jesus Christ is. But God moves. Be in submission even when unfair or unjust. Okay? He says here right after it, uh, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? In other words, stop whining for being punished when you've done something wrong. Remember the top two things that leadership and government are there for? Punishment and praise. You're whining because you did the wrong thing and there's a consequence? That doesn't bring you credit. Hey, good job. Way to stand up under the punishment. That's not what's being asked for. What's being asked for is in the midst of unfairness. And that's what he says next. He says, right in the middle of verse 20, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. To endure injustice, injustice, that, that's graciousness. That's taking the character of God and letting it live out in your life. You ever have a moment in your life where you feel like the workplace is an, un- is an unfair place to you? That it's not working out well for you? That you're not happy with how they're treating you and it's just not fair? Those are moments where we have a chance to reflect the character of God. And that's what we're really called to do in this place. We can be on this earth and say, you know what it's really about? It's about my promotion. You know what it's really about? It's about the respect I'm due. You know what it's really about? It's about getting up another three notches. Those are going to create some problems in your submission plan. You know what it's really about? May I reflect his glory. You know what it's really about? May I reflect his graciousness. You know what it's really about? Lord, change me and use whatever situations that are brought to do it. I want to look more like you tomorrow than today. God honors. God rewards. God does praise. Trust him, lean on him. That's the battle cry. You know, I'll go back to a Tell Labs example again. 
I had been at Tell Labs for about 11 or 12 years and uh, had been doing a bunch of different design work and had gotten to a senior level there and was enjoying my workload. But the project we were on, the, the product group that I was in, was beginning to fade. It was getting less attention, quite honestly, around the company. And uh, while it was something the company started with, it was beginning to be something they were less interested in about. And our group was beginning to lose numbers and we were getting to uh, less support. And there was this awesome opportunity in this group next door that was becoming the new program and product. And they had a chip design and I wanted to do chip design with all I had jumping over with them. Okay. So I went and I interviewed for it and we walked through the paces of what they needed and they ended up accepting me for the job. And so they contacted my director of engineering and said, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to be pulling Tim over. He interviewed for this job and we accepted him. And the director said, yeah, I'm not going to let him go. So he called me in, took me out to a really nice lunch. It was very gracious of him. <laughs> and as we're eating lunch and I'm about three bites in, he says, I just want to let you know, I know about the job offer. And I said, okay, great. And he said, this isn't to figure out how to let you go. I'm going to tell you right now, I have to lock you down. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to let you move. What is this, Auschwitz? What are you talking about? I, it's just a job and anybody can, what do you, t-? and he said, no, here's the reality. You are the senior engineer here. And I've got 75 other engineers that are leaning on this project. And I'm telling you, if I have you walk, things start crumbling fast. I need you to stick. You're going to have to make this thing work. Can you do that with me? Yeah. Sure. And he said, I, I noticed you stopped eating. Yeah, I kind of lost my appetite. It was a tough moment. Deep breath. Came home, talked to John about it. Went back in and just said, it's time. And for the next six months, I did the designs they asked me to do. I led the team they asked me to lead. And we got to a point that summer where the design we'd put in place I won't go into the engineering details of it, but I'll just tell you this. There was a problem. It, we bought a chip off the shelf and that chip had a major problem with it and we had to fix it. So we spent about three weeks, night and day, myself and another guy, we designed up another little chip that could fix it. We put it in place. Okay. We got the fix. So we went back to my director and said, we've got it. We've got a replacement. We can get, keep this thing going, keep everybody on task. We'll just change the board design a little bit. And here we go. And he looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I don't, I'm getting, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, why are you doing this? I said, cause you want it to go, don't you? And he goes, no, I mean, you don't want to be here. Let it die. I don't understand why you're not letting it die. And I'll tell you this, my boss, he was a believer. And I said, well, you're a believer. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just asked to go where I'm asked to go. And I'm asked to serve where I'm asked to serve. And that's what I'm doing, man. I'm going to give you my best. And when it's time to move on, God will move me on. I'm okay with that. It hurts. I'm ready to move on, but I'm giving you my best while I'm here. He just stood there in awe and he's just said, I'm just telling you, I expected this whole thing to fall apart. I expected you to have a bad attitude. I expected everybody else to follow suit and the whole thing to crumble. And I said, well, I'm telling you, I wanted to, but I just don't see how that'd be the appropriate thing. Here's the cool part. A year and a half later, the group I would have moved to, the whole telecom industry collapsed that program was killed and every single person was laid off, including that chip designer. God was protecting me. He put me in a spot where he said, uh-uh, we need you to have some cash flow. We're sending you to seminary. You don't know that yet, but you're going to seminary. We're going to be moving you on into the ministry. And this isn't the time for you to worry about chip designs. 
He pulled me back and put me in a different spot. And I got God's protection and safety in the midst of an, what would have been an awesome opportunity. He said, that's not the opportunity you need. Instead, he gave me a chance to lead a group of people and continue in a job and be able to move towards ministry. Listen to God, our sovereign God. He's leading. He's putting people in place. And even when it's unjust or unfair, trust God's hand. He knows what he's doing. Go in submission. Give it your best. Be gracious in what you're doing and reflect the almighty. Trust the hands of leadership. They may not even get who God is, but trust me, God knows what he's doing. Amen. That's what it's about. When we talk about subjection and submission, it's Lord, I will under all authority. And even when it's unfair, because I'm trusting you question for you. Is it unfair? Are you running into some tough spots? You got a boss or two that aren't getting who you are. They're not lifting you up the way it should be. You're not being respected the way it should be. Not being moved to a job offer you should have been able to take. Trust the hand of God. That's the call. Trust the hand of God. So first, it's subject yourselves to all authority. God put them there. Second, even if it's unfair. And third, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. Verse 21. It says, For to this you have been called. For to this you have been called. Let that just settle for a moment. For to this you have been called. To this what? It says right before it, that you would endure doing good and suffering. Right? That's what you're called to. Well, nobody actually told me that when they gave me the gospel message. That's what I'm called to? Are you kidding me? That's the battle cry of the Christian? Is Lord help me endure well? Did you know that? That's part of our calling. Do we serve an awesome God? Do we serve a God who's worth glorifying? Here's the plan. It's not lift you up to all the ultimate levels and show you off with all you've got. It's actually take you and stand you right next to an unbeliever who doesn't know who God is and put the pressure down on both of you the same way so the world is a little bit messed up and the hurt's a little bit big and you get to actually respond differently because you know him. And as they stand there in pain, wrestling with things, you can lean over and put an arm of care around and begin to shepherd and begin to bring a taste of the Lord God Almighty to this earth. And you get to be able to say, let me introduce you to my Savior through your actions, through your attitudes. That's part of the gospel plan is that you will be grown up to look more like Jesus Christ. And that does call for the plan of a little bit of enduring and suffering. You know, James McDonald often says it this way. Our call is to suffering. Are you suffering well? And if you're not experiencing any kind of struggles or suffering, be careful. That's not a good thing. That's a struggle thing. Like, God, what are you really doing? Have I put my hand, my life into your hands? I want to lean on you. Let God work through you. We're called to endure so that we can reflect his glory and be transformed. We're called to a regimented, disciplined <laughs> exercise program that's going to grow us up to look more like him. That's what we're called to. 
It says, why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. We have Christ who went ahead of us and left us this example. Here's what it is. So that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin. Perfect. That's the example leading us. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. No trickery words. No, that it's that fish hook concept we talked about last week, right? It's, it looks great on the outside, but it's going to nab you on the inside. None of those kind of words. Just straight up, gentle, loving truth. God-honoring truth. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, that word means piled up abusive language upon you. Piled up abusive language. When he was abused with language... He did not respond in like kind with abusive, piled up language. He did not revile again. When he suffered, he did not threaten. This was not Jesus Christ's response. He didn't get smacked or mocked and in that moment go, I'll take it now. Let me tell you something. I'm coming back. That wasn't what he was talking about. It it was a loving moment where he looked at him and he said, I'm doing this because I love you. That was his position. It wasn't threats. It wasn't self-aggrandizement. It was actually laying himself out in the line. Self-sacrifice. It says, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. If you want to grab a phrase to live on and hang on today, that's what it is. Continue to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. That, by the way, would be God, just so you know. Trust God for all that's going on. Continue to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. Every single time we start getting into a rant about bosses, about government, about whatever, we better be careful. Are we going off the edge and forgetting that we have a God who is sovereign and he judges justly and our view is so myopic we just don't get to see the whole picture and he's doing something massive and we need to trust him. That's where we need to be. May we always be putting ourselves in alignment with our almighty God. Amen. That's subjection. He says, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Not live to self, not live to comfort, not live to awesome respect, but live to righteousness. Shape me and change me, Lord, so I look more like you. And he says at the end, by his wounds you have been healed. You were straying, now you've returned. Welcome to your shepherd. We have an example of Jesus Christ. And as we strayed, he loved. And as we mocked, he paid. That's our awesome Savior. Do me a favor. Just put everything away right now. Put your stuff in your Bibles and all that. And then just close your eyes, okay? Just close your eyes. I'm going to walk you through something here and then we'll pray. Imagine. Jesus Christ, he's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to being mocked and beaten. And as the whip comes down upon his back and strikes him, and you can hear it, and the blood begins to be drawn. As the words are harshly shared, and there's a slam, 
and a challenge to who he is. He just looks to his God. As he's brought to the cross and his arm is pulled out and a spike is placed over his forearm and a hammer is raised in the air and that hammer hits the top of the nail and you hear the and that spike splits open skin, tears through arteries, pounds down into the wood below. You see him arch in pain. Hammer is raised again and you hear it again. In that moment, they grab his second arm and pull over and begin to start that nail again on the second arm. He could have called 10,000 upon 10,000 angels. He could have reached up with all he had to the heavens and said, now is the time for my vindication. He could have said, I will be protected. And the angels would have rushed in with all they had to obliterate. He could have been supported and lifted up and honored, but it was not his time. He chose instead to simply say this. You are loved. You are loved. He chose to say, I will sacrifice for you. It isn't fair. It isn't just. But you are loved. And our almighty God, bowing under completely imperfect human authority, submitting himself to what the sovereign God's plan was, said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Our challenge is simply this. Go and do likewise. Submit ourselves to the almighty sovereign God, no matter what the injustice, and endure. Let's pray.